And this Go. ball in the air, deep right center Go. field. Two-run home run, Trevor Story. Way back, Myers, he'll watch it go Chuck Nasty. Two-run home run, David Dahl. And Nolan drives this high in the air, deep left field. Take a good look, you won't see it for long. I don't want to lose your love Welcome in to the DNVR Rockies podcast brought to you by StravaCraft Coffee. Remember to use that promo code DNVR20 because when you do that, they give you 20% off your entire purchase of that CBD infused, deliciously rich, and potentially life altering StravaCraft Coffee. I am your host, Drew Creaseman. I am the managing editor of DNVR Rockies. I am literally enjoying my Strava right now. Mmm, nice and warm, even though it's well into the evening at this point, might need it for a long night, but oh, (laughs) we're we're ready to go here with beat writer Patrick Lyons, as always, and Patrick, it is MLB award season, we finished off the last podcast, uh, giving some thoughts on what had come out, they were still kind of in the process of releasing some, so we haven't reacted to all of them, but also thought since no Colorado Rockies were nominated for major awards, rightfully so. And, and you know, it's really the first time in a while that you can say that they really just didn't have anyone who belonged in any of those conversations at all. Um, the, the gold glove stuff, you know, those will be revealed later on tonight. Uh, we obviously expect Nolan <laughs> will win his, uh, and that'll, that'll be that. I, Charlie's not going to get his. So other than that, uh, there's not much to talk about from Rocky's perspective, but there's a ton to talk about, I think, from a philosophical perspective. So we're going to talk about MVP, Cy Young Manager of the Year, Rookie of the Year and stuff. But what I really want to get from you is a sense of what does it mean to be Manager of the Year? What does it mean to be MVP has always been a really interesting one. So let's go ahead and start there. It's always a fascinating debate. And I think as much as anything, it can be a Rorschach test, Patrick, what you care about uh it just it's a reflection on you so in your mind what makes an mvp well these awards i I think basically just have everything to do with with your resume now yeah it can translate obviously to to more money in in negotiations you can get rewards uh and and incentives to to bump up your contract both in in arbitration and as as part of a, a much longer extension, but to me, a most valuable player really is a hybrid between a player's importance to their club and just their overall ability level. So it's for me, it's never more of one than the than another. Where you could go and look and say that you maybe you could say, yeah, man, Josh Fuentes was incredibly important for the Colorado Rockies <laughs> in the final month of the season or half the season. And maybe he should get, you know, a 10th place vote, you know, to represent the Rockies who 
They finished 11th in the standings. So again, I'm, I'm just stretching this out as an example. You go, right. maybe, but what did he do for an entire season? His numbers weren't there. So he had some importance to his club, but uh, did not have the overall statistics backing him up. So you need a, a fairly strong combination of both. And you know what? There can be those exceptions where I think there's really only an exception for fantastic seasons. That's the one where, you know what, maybe your team does finish in last place and you know, you're, you're don't, you don't play for a, a contender. If you're in last place and you just put up an all time season where anytime you come to the ballpark, the, the opposing fans want to see you get up there and hit, don't walk this guy, you know, face him. And if you can do something like that, it doesn't matter what your team's win loss record happens to be. So I think that's right. the exception. The other end is just, Hey man, this guy's a great teammate. His numbers are good. They're not great. I don't think a good, not great season from a player um, who is the most valuable player on his club that, you know, gets into the playoffs. I don't think that's enough. I think you need to have the numbers there. So it's really, you know, a hybrid of those two it has to be a, a careful balance of both. Yeah, I, I, I agree. Well, I, again, these are personal preferences, but I think for the most part, most people agree with that, right? Like it, it's got to be a combination of those things. I think where, you know, we start to get into the weeds and some of the, some of the bigger differences uh, for me, especially is, you know, how this differentiates between, say, the way you might evaluate a Hall of Fame player where, you know, what what is greatness? What is goodness? Um, which statistics are we using to determine that? And how much of was your team good? Uh, did you bring in tangibles? Are we weighing? And I, and I think a lot of the big debates come from people who are weighing those things dramatically differently, right? We've seen this argument with Mike Trout basically forever. He's almost always been, statistically speaking, the best player in baseball at any given time. Anytime he's on the field, he's been the best player in baseball. But his team has been largely irrelevant for most of his tenure and it, it limits how many extra points you can give him in terms of tangible. Now that guy's going to the hall of fame, no questions asked, no, no problems. Right. But they're having questions year to year about his viability for MVP, because especially if, you know, in a normal season, the last month and a half or two months, you're not playing in a single game of importance. It's difficult to weigh those statistics as much as a Mookie Betts who is doing all of this stuff. I remember the year uh, in 2018 when Christian Yelich just went nuclear for the Brewers in the final month or two, right? And he was the definitive difference between the Brewers being maybe right there with some of the teams that came up just short and being a team that cruised like past the Cubs and ended up winning their division. And so that I think, you know, for me, I, I really, I try to weigh those things a bit more and I weigh them far more heavily for MVP than I would for something like a hall of fame. You can be a hall of famer in my mind and have never played in the postseason and be generally considered to be a bad teammate. I, I kind of am just looking at your number. Now those things can help bad human. You can be a bad human and you, you go, Ah, damn, he could play ball, though. He could play ball. Straight up. Um, I, I think those things can help you. I've often said, you know, your postseason case for Hall of Fame should help you, should never hurt you. 
Um, it can add to guys like Derek Jeter. Shouldn't take away from a guy like Larry Walker. Uh, but you know, in an MVP in a single season, I feel differently. I, I feel the opposite about that. I feel like actually your circumstances do matter a little bit more. Whether or not you were able to have an impact on a pennant race, uh, in, in my estimation, matters. And it would be interesting uh, for me myself to go back to 1997 and and apply that metric because Larry Walker played on an 83-win baseball team that didn't come that close to making the postseason. His numbers were so good. If whoever was in second place was close enough and on a winning team, I might end up coming out and saying maybe he shouldn't have won that MVP. And there, you know, there, uh, man, this is a research project that I've been kicking around for years and doing, and I, I haven't really figured out how to do it. I also know it would be a lot of work. And it would essentially, I don't want to give too much of it away because I, I still want to go back and do it. But this idea of, you know, how much does that matter? Where uh, the situation of, if, is this a team that makes the playoffs versus doesn't? And you brought up Christian Yelich, who was nearly unanimous in 2018. 29 first place votes and Nick Bacoro uh, of the great writer uh, for the Arizona Republic voted his first place vote for Jacob deGrom best pitcher uh, in the game, but voted for a guy who I believe wasn't even on all 30 ballots. So a guy, so he was left off top 10 yet Nick Bacoro, you're grinding your teeth here, Drew. Uh, it's okay. Breathe. Breathe. I know this is frustrating, but this is, and again, that's just something on his resume that he still was the MVP, but it could have been unanimous. It could have been this historic thing. And one guy kind of sees it slightly differently and it, it, it alters a little bit of history. You know, the thing in this discussion that, you know, it brings me back to is, is 1910. You know, I love my history. Ty Cobb in, in Nap Lajway. Uh, who they were battling for an award called the Chalmers Award, which I think was uh, given away by a, a car company at the time. And it named it, after Mario Chalmers, of course. Yeah. No, it was named Can after you? Superintendent Chalmers uh, from The Simpsons. Uh, gotcha there. Um, but yeah, no, it was it was an automobile company, Chalmers, Chalmers Automobile Company, and they were giving away a car to the player who had the highest batting average. And there were some shenanigans involved because nobody liked Ty Cobb, surprise. Uh, then he tried to get Napalajue to win. And this was ultimately the, the precursor to the MVP. And we kind of see that it was more about the P than it was about the V. And that sounds funny now that I say that out loud. But it was more about the player... <laughs> It was more about the player than it was about the value, right? It was about what this guy put up offensively. And yeah, we could throw in defensive components, um, you know, for, for your abilities. And that's obviously factored in with wins above replacement. But um, it, it was more about that than it was the value to that guy's team because both the A's and, and I, I don't know, yeah. I don't know who won in, in 1910. I, I think the Philadelphia A's won the American league that year. So Cleveland, wasn't even, you know, they finished in, they were the also Rams. So does right. it, does it matter? I mean, Cobb got his team right. in the, the postseason. Lajway didn't. So I, I think it's more about, again, what you're contributing on the field statistics wise than just that value wise. And there should probably be, if there weren't all, there's like a million awards. And so at some point they kind of start to <laughs> lose a little bit of meaning. It's like, like, yeah, we're going to get a, an early one here. Sort of like, belts in wrestling right like at some point everybody's wearing championship, championship. true Ch Ch excuse me 
those things that hold up your your pants, right? Mr. McMahon would not be happy with you using the word belts and eleven seventeen. That's an early one. That's this yeah, is an yeah, early one. There's an early one. But right. The more if if everyone's got a championship belt, matter less, right? If everyone's got an award. And though part of me likes, you know, uh, this idea, like football sort of does like offensive player and defensive player. And that makes a ton of sense because those are two different things that you do. And we have gold glove and silver slugger. So that kind of, you know, accounts for that. So that, that's why for me, the, the the valuable part of it does have to make so much more of an impact when we're talking about MVP. And I've, I've made this point too before when we're talking to Hall of Fame, right? Like if it was just a matter of, do you have enough war? to get in, then we could all just decide what that number is. And then boom, you, you, you get it, you cross over and we could actually do the same thing um, to, to add another award to get back to my original point of just saying, well, uh, okay, this guy got the most war. He wins the war award this year. He was the best player in baseball. Was he the most valuable? Maybe not, but he was the best. Uh, and you can just have that. But the, Ben, and of course, whose war is it? Baseball references war, is it fan graphs war? What if those two things disagree? Now we've got even more awards. You're the F war champion. You're the B war champion. It's fantastic. It's and, and what if a player you know plays a all 162? One guy goes 162 games, the other guy is at 145 games. Well, the guy with 145 just barely missed. On average, he was the better player. So is it you know war per game? War per right. at bat, you know, is he batted lower in the in the in the order by his manager? So his manager screwed up his odds of getting that. That's right. that is the one amazing thing about baseball is that it allows for more debate than I think any other sport. Yeah, hands down. Yeah. Totally. One I love to crack open a Breck brew and talk about, uh, so we can go ahead and do that now. Now I'm I'm actually. As you, you all saw earlier, I'm still working on my Strava Craft coffee right now. I've got my Strava Craft. Uh, I've got plenty of room waiting for me uh, for this eve. I will be ready for that. I'll uh, I'll be ready for rehabbing some as we have this conversation in just a moment. But you know, Breck Brew is the best beer in the world. You love it. You drink it when you get it from uh, whether it's King Supers, your local liquor store, uh, or of course, my favorite place to get it, even more than the DNVR bar, which is in second. The DNVR bar is fantastic, but it's down there at the farmhouse. You can get that curbside pickup right now from noon to 8 p.m. Call 303-803-1380. Use the promo code DNVR because you'll save five bucks off both the food and the drink, which is a pretty fantastic deal if I do say so myself. And you can ask them. What I'm about to ask Patrick, which is the same question I asked a minute ago about MVP, the exact same question, but about manager of the year. Because I think, you know, we can kind of parse those other things out. We'll talk a little more about the nuances of Cy Young and Rookie of the Year. But manager of the year is a really interesting one, too, because it's it's something where I feel like there has been sort of an unspoken, unwritten rule or unwritten formula for a long time in sports about what makes how do we know that a manager is good? None of us are sitting in those meetings watching how the players are responding to these guys. We don't get to walk out there. How many times, Patrick, has somebody asked Bud Black to specifically share what he is to a pitcher during a mound visit? And how many times has he shared that information with us? Right. Well, I'm not going to talk about what we said there on the mound there. It was private. <laughs> but I will say that I did like the way Freeland was able to bounce back 
He went after Bellinger, attacked him down in the zone, uh, thought maybe he could have gotten lucky going the other way. You know, he, yeah, he, right. you're not going to find out how a manager manages. There's, there's ultimately no metric. We have, you know, the Pythagorean uh, theorem, if you will, or, or Pythag wins losses to say, hey, based on uh, runs scored and, and runs against, we can say, hey, this team maybe should have won a few more games or less, but that is by far accurate at all to to try to figure anything out. Well, and I think you're touching on there what I think most people's mental metric is for what makes a great manager. You've gotten more out of your team than was expected. That seems to be the metric. I want to ask you this. Is that a fair metric? Does that even make sense? Like, think about a manager like uh, Dave Roberts. Like you're not going to get more out of your team than is expected. That's not possible. You're expected to win your division in the world series. And then they did right. Your job more than, you know, other people who are trying to do things to get the most out of their, you know, potential war or do whatever with the lineup, you've got to manage egos. You've got to make sure that these guys with the big paychecks who maybe aren't getting to play as much as they might on another team, so to me, it's like he's got a very different job. And I'm not, you know, I think ultimately that when you have that much talent, your job is a little bit easier. So so I don't I don't necessarily disagree with the metric of like win more games than you were expected to win. But I, you know, I I feel like managers got to do a lot of different things out there. And that may not be it's certainly not the only way I think that we should measure the quality of a manager. For sure. You know, the, the Cy Young Award. You look at that and you just straight up say, you know, who's the best pitcher? You've got numbers to look at. It's just about the P. It's just about the player. That's it. It's not about their value. All about that P. About that P. <laughs> it's, it's not about their value to the rotation, to the overall pitching staff, or to the team. It's just who was bringing it, who had the best numbers. Same thing with Rookie of the Year. That's That can be done easily. So it sometimes can be challenging when you've got a position player versus a pitcher. The rookie of the year thing, yeah, the position player versus pitcher. And then the other thing that comes up a lot with rookie of the year, I think that muddies it, is what you were talking about earlier with different times because guys will debut differently. So a lot of times you'll be like, oh, this guy didn't debut until after uh, – this is kind of what got Tulowitzki a little bit in 07. He didn't play that first month of the season. So while his numbers were better than Ryan Braun's in a lot of ways, that Braun had – had an extra month of counting stat that for some people I think helped push them over the top. So you're going to have that as well. For sure. Yeah. The, so the, the pitcher's got that going on where you can just unequivocally look at that. Yeah. And then rookies, you can kind of do that. You're right. And I think voters usually err on the side of the counting stats rather than the rate stats. And they just say, ah, yeah. well, you know, but Braun did it for the entirety of the season, you know, Tulo didn't. So, ah, you know, it's kind of a, a tie. Let's give it to the guy who's, got those numbers, you know, with 30 homers and 30 errors at third base. I was going to say. <laughs> um, those rock hands. But I, I, I subject that the manager of the year is very much like the MVP, where it's the value. Because you're right. It's crazy to think. And again, for anyone that doesn't know, all of these awards are voted on before the postseason. So it's one of the reasons why you go, wait, wait, wait. Randy Rosarena hit 10 home runs in the postseason no player had ever hit nine he hit, hits 10 and is otherworldly and he's not a finalist for the american league rookie of the year why is that well because they they vote before the postseason starts which right. means dave roberts does not get credit for 
snapping that 32 year streak that the Dodgers had uh, since their last World Series in 1988. And you go, well, that was his that was his objective was to win it all, and he actually did it. So, but but he was supposed to. So then, how can this guy win if you go out every year, you've got the best team, and you do what you need to do, have the best record in the game at at I think was it 45 and 15, something insane like that. I think that was it. You know, you're not the manager of the year because you're supposed to do that. It's it's a no-win situation. So on one hand, I do kind of get that because he didn't get any extra value. There was no extra value to extract from his club. It was only value he could have detracted from it. So he did what he needed to do, but he didn't do anything extra because there was no way for him to. Whereas right. Don Mattingly goes and is a 500 manager, but does it with guys that are from high A, you know, right. his, his, his team is out for a while because of uh, a lot of the players that tested positive for COVID-19. And you go, wow, you, this team should have been in the last place in the NL East, maybe in, the, in all of the entire national league. And you got them into the playoffs. He won around, but that was not a part of it. And, and I, I think that's where you can see like, Oh, this guy got a lot more value. And it's hard to do that if you already have a really, really quality club. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah, that's a really good point. I want to ask you one last philosophical question before we get into the nitty-gritty specifics here of who's been nominated and who we think will win or should win these awards. And and you just made me think of it right there as you were talking. Should we include the postseason? In some of these voting again, now there, there are a million awards, and we have you know NLDS MVP, NLCS MVP, World Series MVP, and those can all be different things, though. Ultimately, you're talking about sample sizes of three, four, five games, you know, at most seven. And uh, you know, part of me wonders if awards like this, it because because uh, you know, nobody looks back and goes, Oh, well, who was the you know 2011 NLCS? MVP, who cares? <laughs> but if you're you were the NL MVP in any given year, you know, I, I and I, I haven't given this much thought. I'm not sure where I come down on this, but part of me wonders if we should include the postseason accolades and wait till the year is completely over and then decide for the entire campaign who was the the best player, manager, rookie, and, and pitcher, and all that. Yeah, I'm I'm fine with leaving it as a regular season award, but I you know I do think there should be some acknowledgement for that. You know whether it's you know starting to have an uh, an MVP or not MVP, but an NLDS, yeah, an NLDS MVP because right now it's just NLCS and and World Series, so you can have something for that. Or a postseason MVP for like the precisely whole thing. Yes. right a postseason MVP, um, and you know. Again, I don't know what you would call it, and at a certain point, it's going to be redundant. But you could have these just end of year awards, and I think baseball is trying to do that and get a little, you know, sharper. I think last year was the first year. I remember during the winter meetings, they said, "Oh, they're going to announce the all uh, MLB team, like the best players at every position." I go, "All right, that's a great idea. They do that for the NBA." I remember leaving to go interview somebody else, and I came back, and I go, "Oh yeah, Pete Alonso was here," and and Yasmani Grandal, and I was like, oh, oh man, like all in one spot. I totally missed that. I whiffed yeah. on it. But I, I think that's an important thing to, again, just, you know, not only just to keep the award season going, but to just highlight the best players and try to separate uh, the regular season from the postseason because 
so many people's eyes were on that. So if you have an all-rookie team, Randy Rosarena might not make that uh, as the third outfielder uh, for you know for all of MLB. But if you include the postseason in that, now you go, well, come on, everybody knows this guy's name, essentially. Most right. people can spell it. Um, half those <laughs> I was going to say, close to pronouncing it, yep, yep. But I think you can been- get creative in that way. But, you know, again, you have Mike Trout, even if even if Mike Trout takes his team to the brink of the postseason and and you look around and you say, wow, you know, Anthony Rendon had a so so year. Pujols is gone. Josh Hamilton's gone. CJ Wilson, all these guys like who else is on the name another player on the Angels. It's just Mike Trout. And man, he took them to the brink of the postseason. And look at those numbers. He won the triple crown. It shouldn't really matter what happens in the postseason if you know, the guy who's second, third, or fourth, or even beyond that, just happens to have a really good World Series. That guy will get his, you know, just desserts uh, with with the, the Championship Series MVP, World Series MVP, uh, and, and just all the general accolades that come with being in the spotlight when you're down to four and then only two teams left in the entire yeah. game. Yeah, I, I think I agree with that. But I would like to see an overall postseason yeah. MVP. I think that would be really interesting because you you you'll, you would have things like this year where a guy who very legitimately was not nominated for a single regular season award ends up being the most valuable player of the postseason. And I think you and now I'm not sure Randy Arrazarena would run away with postseason MVP. I, I'd have to think harder about that. But but I think that's an interesting. I'm already in an interesting time thinking about it. Mookie Betts would have been, and and that would be another interesting thing too. Then you would have these statistics over the years of like okay this guy's been nominated or been in the top three for regular season mvp 10 times like mike trout has but he's only but he's never been in the running for postseason mvp where mookie betts is a guy who's been in both several times right and i I think that's just interesting to look at it doesn't necessarily mean that means that this guy's more valuable over the course of 162 or or not or the other but you know I, i just think it would be fascinating to look at I think I think you could call that, and this, this the the phrasing that I use might make it sound like I'm, I'm even opening it up to front office executives. Which who knows? Maybe that is interesting. But call it the man of the year, and or person of the year. I probably would be a lot better because we you know we do have a lot of uh, women now in in the game, which is fantastic. It's, it's long overdue. So you can call a person of the year, and what you're doing is. You know, so minor league baseball did something like this, um, oh, yeah. where, where they gave out an award for it was a Copa de la Diversión, and the Albuquerque Isotopes won it every single year, uh, yeah. which is no fun for everybody else, but great for them and and guys like like Kevin Collins and and John Traub uh, that are down there in Albuquerque doing doing wonderful things for the Rockies AAA affiliate. But there actually was like uh, you know a metric to, that to figure out and say, okay, well, how many how much money have you gotten donations and what was your record in those games? And, you know, you came out with some, some new paraphernalia, some new logos, your promotions, you know, what are the events that you had? And they rated those. And so they combined all those things together to come up with, you know, the, the, fun, the winner of the Fun Cup. And so you can almost do something like that with the man of the year where it doesn't become entirely about that regular season on-field production. It takes into consideration the postseason. And it also should take into consideration – you know, any fundraising that this guy oh, really? does yeah. and anything yeah. this guy does. Yeah. For the benefit of the game and 
um, you know, social media, you could, you could couple them with that and any, any kind of advertisements just kind of, you know, taking the game to the next level. So you could bring all of these different elements in to try to figure out like, you know, who, who owned 2020, who was the guy that, you know, you're going to remember most, uh, maybe not for one particular thing and maybe not as the best player and maybe not as guy having the best postseason, but just overall, you know, who did it. And, you know, even, even if it, if it doesn't always land on superstars every single year, I think it could, could raise a lot of money for charity and really just, you know, elevate the game and, and it's, it's visibility throughout not only just our country, but the, you know, the entirety of the world. And who was that guy this year? Hmm. I've got my answer, but I hope it's not Rob Manfred. No, because that, that's for the wrong reasons. <laughs> that would definitely be for the wrong reasons. Uh, I I would probably put Mookie Betts towards the top of that list. That's yeah. kind of the first name that that popped into my head. That's the guy. I think. I think. Yeah. I think that's your 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 person of the year in baseball this year. He did. He did. You know, some great uh, off the field stuff. He maybe wasn't quite as active as some other players. Maybe somebody like Ian Desmond in in releasing statements and things like that. But. Uh, he, he had a lot of great stuff to say, uh, but he also, uh, I, I think, played with just a great deal of enthusiasm and energy and positivity and uh, uh, brought a lot of joy to a, a very tough season this year. So I know he's a Dodger and I know all that stuff and, and it is what it is, but he was a great ball player, but had a great season and kept bringing us defensive highlights and big home runs and, and all the stuff that he does. He runs the bases and he's just a, he's an exciting player and he had an exciting season. Um, so yeah, I think, I, I think it's gotta be Mookie Betts. Yeah, had a great year. And, and they, they won. So yeah. <laughs> I don't know and, and so I was, and, and I'm glad you brought up Ian Desmond. Cause I was thinking that too, where you go, all right, that, I think that, you know, bumps him up. And of course he was uh, the Roberto Clemente award winner for, for the Rockies. And, you know, like you got to have that balance. So I go, oh, I wonder if Mookie Betts was the Roberto Clemente Award winner for the Dodgers, um, and it wasn't the uh, the the man with the best community service in his community in Los Angeles. Uh, ironically enough, was Justin Turner. So, no. folks, you can't write these things. You just can't. Justin has been a fixture in the LA community since joining the Dodgers seven years ago, and continued to make his presence felt in 2020. Mm. Interesting. Yes, literally, he literally made his presence felt. So, That's hey, what are you gonna so do? Bad. I mean, obviously, they didn't. Well, in hindsight, yeah, you're right. Regular <laughs> season award. Regular season award. Oh my. Yeah, it's the much. <laughs> By the way, if oh, if no. Kevin Cash had not taken Blake Snell out of that game, straight up, and the Rays had won. I guess tonight probably would have been game seven. Like, think about that. We put it behind us. The Dodgers won the World Series. Hey, congratulations. All right. Maybe they get complacent and, oh. you know, they stop winning every single NL West, you know, pennant. And had it not gone down the way it did, we still might be going, hey, when are they going to play a game? Like, it all could have just fallen apart oh. tragically. But oh. as it were, something went right here this year. Yeah, narrowly avoided that. Well, hey, <laughs> since since we're talking about it, if you're feeling lucky, hey, get out there on the digital golf course. You got to get DNVR Golf's favorite new, well, not that new. It's been around for many. You know, we've been talking about it for a while, but it's super fun and popular. 
game WGT golf. You can get it for free at dnvrgolf.com. Play closest to the hole or full stroke play at Beth Page Black, St. Andrews, or a litany of other world famous golf courses. You challenge us here on the DNVR staff or in the DNVR community by joining a clubhouse. Talk a little trash, have a little fun with us out there. We got a big tournament coming up. Where is that thing? Uh, yeah, the election open at Congressional. So yeah. you can kind of prepare for that on that course. It is the closest to the pin, and you're you're entered to win some some big prizes. And believe it or not, on Friday, uh, when it opens up, it's going to be Friday to Sunday, so you have plenty of time this weekend to get it done. Uh, if you reply on Twitter with a screenshot of your event score, you're actually going to be eligible to win a DNVR shirt and hat. And the grand prize winner, uh, which we'll announce on the, the 23rd, will take home a Broncos country jacket. Yeah. Those things are jacket full oh, yeah. So fire. Uh, make me use words I don't ever use. They're just so good. They're just, you you got to get in on it. You got to, again, it's free. The, no risks to you. Get in there. DNVRgolf.com. Download it on your computer or phone today. All it's right, lit. It is, it is it, lit. It, it is fleek. It's for Donkakong. It's on fleek, yes. On fleek. I was, I was going to say, what was that? Because that, that's a generation earlier. That was a, a term. I think that, it's that on one point. Came in. No. Yeah. It uh, ain't right, uh, yo. I think actually that was their slogan last year in 2019. WGG Golf. It ain't whack, yo. <laughs> yeah, it was a weird sponsorship with Steve O, and it was a whole thing. But you know, uh, it was actually pretty good. You could play golf as Steve O. You know, it's. Can you imagine? Uh, <laughs> like golf, you, know? you could you could yeah. play yeah. different golfers. Yeah. It's fun. Uh, so speaking of, this is a transition. People who are not wacko, uh, let's get into these potential award winners. Patrick, we talked about uh, a few yesterday, uh, so I'm just going to begin with uh, the bottom of that same list that we were looking at from MLB Network and just work our way back to those if we have any additional thoughts. But starting with AL MVP, we've got to look at uh, Abreu LeMahieu Ramirez, which sounds like a phenomenal song. For this oh, my. Year. It's almost a – yeah, it's a – Abreu, Lemayhu, Ramirez are your finalists here. Uh, White Sox first baseman slugger Jose Abreu, some guy named DJ Lemayhu. I think he plays for the Yankees now. That sounds somewhat familiar. And Jose Ramirez, you know, really in a in a bounce back here. He was a guy who had kind of hopped up and been like, "I'm one of the best players in Major League Baseball." And we we're all like, "Damn, look at him! He's one of the best players in Major League Baseball." And then he had a year where everyone was like, "Oh, forgot about that guy. He was awful." Yeah, you know, almost a Kyle Freeland style. Just he's just gone. Didn't he even get sent down to the minors? Did I? I'm trying to remember now. It was like it was. It was there was like discussion of it. That's how like brutal it was. And now he's back in the MVP conversation. Love to see that from Jose Ramirez. One of the fun ambassadors for the game. Um, uh, another. I'm, I have a, a special place in my heart for switch hitters. Um, mm. And so, you know, anybody that goes out there with the swag, hits from both sides, brings a little bit of pop, uh, guys who bring offense and defense. So I'm a big fan of his, but um, th this one I feel like is is a toss-up in many ways. Yeah. And actually, uh, could end up going LeMahieu's way when you, you take a look at his small sample size numbers. Like, 
TJ LeMahieu raked. Yeah, I think I think he was a little to me in the regular season. He was a little more valuable last year um, to the Yankees. Just you know, came out of left field. It seemed like not literally, but he played everywhere but left field. Just a little more yeah, just fine. He was all over the place. So I, but but I could see. I think the voters did a good job this year in having those guys uh, as the top three. But when I initially saw that list, I thought, man, that's they're kind of a little little lackluster. Like none of those guys are. Uh, destined to be Hall of Famers. I think Abreu has a long way to go. He's an older dude, so I don't think he's gonna, you know, get the numbers. But maybe, maybe he gets in on a veterans ballot, you know, in, in 30 years. Maybe um, Jose Ramirez still, you know, a pretty pretty early in his career, so he's got a way to go. But by no means is, is any kind of superstar. You're right. He's put together some some great seasons. In fact, I think the beginning of 2019, MLB uh, Network said he was the best third baseman in the game over Nolan Arenado. So, right. you know, again, all three guys, fantastic talents, but none of them you go, oh, man, look at these superstars. And, and whereas in the National League with, with Mookie Betts, Freddie Freeman, um, you go, okay, those guys are some premier names that have been, you know, premier names for a very long time. So my, my tendency is to lean a little bit towards Jose Abreu. Only because, and again, you know, they uh, were, uh, I think they finished sixth. No, Houston finished sixth. Um, they had to play Oakland. So they, they, were, they were ranked seventh. But I just think that everything he, he brought to those young players, like all, all the wrong reasons why, you know, Tony La Russa got hired. I think <laughs> right. besides, you know, being second in, in the AL with his 19 home runs in, in that 60-game span, he was the leader uh, for those young guys, young Cuban players yep. as well. Yep. There were three other ones. So yep. um, it, it's amazing. And I, and I think it's, it's because of that. It is, it's more of that balance. And like who else from that White Sox club, you know, did you really fear in that lineup? Tim Anderson's at the top, great batting average, you know, fantastic. Oh, yeah. A lot of really quality hitters, but nobody that you, you, you know, fear incredibly. And they got a lot of really great pitching out of Lucas Giolito, but I, I think Abreu was probably the most valuable, and so that's why I think he might edge that out. This could be like the, one of the first. When how many times that we we've had, let's say, three guys get like eight or more votes, right? Eight or more first place votes, something right. like that. I wonder what the record is for splitting it up like that. That would be interesting to see because I think this year um, could be a first in many ways. Yeah, you, you can make a strong argument for any of those guys. Obviously, you know, LeMahieu and Ramirez are bringing in a bit more defense. I totally buy your argument that I I think according to the metrics that we set out earlier, um, Abreu, there's the biggest difference between him being on that team and him not being on that team. You take DJ LeMahieu off of the Yankees, still making the playoffs, and they're still right. probably going. You know, to the, and again, that's not necessarily his fault. That shouldn't. Uh, detract from the fact that he had an incredible season, but uh, I agree. I, I think Abreu was probably the most valuable. Uh, I, I think where it gets really interesting is when you start talking, taking a look at the two-way player stuff, but that's a, that's a straight three-way toss-up. Like if I had my vote, uh, I, I really don't know how I would rank those guys. I, I'd have to dive pretty hard into the numbers to look for a reason for separation because they're all basically at a tie in my head. Yeah. <laughs> right. yeah. um, 
And then, and then you mentioned the National League guys, uh, Betts, Freeman, Machado. I think those are the right names. Um, I was a little surprised with Machado. I, you could you could argue, uh, you could maybe even argue that Fernando Tatis Jr. Hey, yes. was a more valuable member of the San Diego. You know, there there are a few other names. Okay, I, I you and I agreed yesterday that Betts and Freeman were the obvious ones. It's a two man race. The the third person was always going to be. Hey, way to get nominated! <laughs> Just nice to be on the on the stage with y'all. Um, but and as we've been saying earlier. Um, again, based on the, you know, the values that we've laid out here, I at least think that the bets should win it, even if you could make the argument that Freeman had um, the slightly better statistical season. Yeah, that one, that one could end up being a toss up. I, I think it, it's so close. I know it's, it's hard because your, your most recent memory of Mookie Betts is in the world series and you go, <laughs> right. oh my gosh, this guy is, is other, he's, he's Mike Trout esque. Or Mike Trout's Mookie Betts esque. Uh, sorry about that. I almost swallowed my own tongue trying to pronounce that. Betts esque. Betts esque. Nailed it. Second time around. So <laughs> I think it could go either way. And you know, uh, Freeman did have a lot of a lot of protection with Marcelo Zuna, of course. Ronald Acuna uh, had a had an okay year. So man, and 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 that Atlanta team, I, I man, th- that was an exciting club. No no doubt about yeah. it. So. I still, yeah, it's going to be bets, but it'll be interesting to see how those things shake out. I, I'm curious, where does Tatis Jr. fall in the MVP race? Like how high, like how close? Right. Like are they going to have like a 3-4 or a 4-5 finish like the Rockies did with like Nolan and Charlie a couple of years ago, right, where they finished 4-5? Um, yeah, that's that's hard to do for sure. That's yeah. very hard. Yeah. I can see it going down like that. That one, yeah, that one's going to be really interesting. All right, managers of the year. We talked a little bit about uh, these ones yesterday, and just how hilarious they the AL one in particular is. G- give me your final predictions for these, since we ran over uh, ran over them yesterday, but I don't know that we actually called it. I'll t- I'll go ahead and take uh, Ross and. The AL thing is, it's got to be Cash. It's, again, they turned in their votes before the thing. It's got to be Kevin Cash, which is just going to be hilarious. Yeah, Kevin Cash, uh, manager of the year for sure. You know, Renteria and, Mon- and Montoya only got in because of the expanded playoffs. But you say, hey, great job. You know, and, and if the expanded playoffs aren't there. I, honestly, I don't think having eight teams really changed anything because – it was all about positioning and it was so tight there that you were still playing every game to win. So it's right. not like there was any false sense of, Oh, since there's eight teams, we don't have to really push. It's like, no, because of, you know, the white Sox, uh, Cleveland and Minnesota, they're all battling for the AL central. So like, that's kind of a big deal. You win that you're going to be, you're going to have home field advantage. So I, I think you just say, Hey, Toronto, you guys were better than we thought. And if, if, there, there wasn't expanded playoffs. They wouldn't have been in, but they would have been a good story. He would have, right. you know, Montoya would have gotten some third, fourth place votes. Renteria, same kind of deal. I think Aaron Boone probably got overlooked. You know, without an expanded playoffs, I think he maybe gets a bump, uh, much like Dave Roberts would have gotten the bump. I think having those extra wild card spots really muddied the water for voters to go, hey, this guy got in the playoffs. That should be rewarded with some higher votes. So, I think it will be 
Kevin Cash, uh, followed by uh, Rick Renteria and, and Montoya. You can go either way with those two, but I, I think the White yeah. Sox were in it a little bit more. They were in the hunt for the, the AL Central, so I got to give Renteria more of a nod. So, uh, my, yeah, that is such a hardest rooting match. for Renteria. I, oh. Yeah, like, and and I know it won't win, but it's almost like, and I actually agreed with uh, the Nuggets when they did it too, by the way. But when George Carl won Coach of the Year and inspired him, I think it was actually the right decision. I think this White Sox thing was the wrong one, but I would almost love for a, a twist of the knife to remind them how stupid it was. He won Manager of the Year after he did something as dumb as moving on to Tony. The last time he got fired, he did anyway, a fantastic yeah. job in Chicago with the Cubs, that is. And then, you know, lo and behold, Joe Madden gets, yeah, Joe Madden gets put on the market and they just kind of swap him out. And it's like, ah, man, they did you dirty, Rick. And he got done dirty again. Like this, this dude's one of the, the better totally. free agent managers on the market right now. And, and it's kind of uh, somewhat of a, a proven commodity now, I, I think, you know, in the National League, it, up. National League is an odd bunch. I think, you know, all right, Mattingly, hey, you, you did a good job. A lot of third place votes are gonna, you know, give give him the points to be in the top three. I think it really comes down to to Ross and and Tingler. And I, I my tendency is to actually lean towards Jace Tingler. Uh, I know yeah. that you know, and they they got in the right way. They were the fourth seed, so they would have been you know a, a true postseason club. So you look at it like that and say, okay, no, that's not the same situation with Montoyo and Renteria. In, in the American right. League, they were part of the expanded. So they were still fourth place. And you, you can make the case the second best team in the National League, you know, gave the Dodgers somewhat of a run for their money. Yeah. Dodgers were just just too damn good for them to catch up. And you got the the fact that, again, first-year manager, much like Ross, uh, David Ross was, but you've got guys coming. You've got a, a line shift. You're – your 28-man roster, you go, all right, I got good news and bad news. Jace, we brought in we brought in some new players for you that I think you're really going to enjoy. Um, the bad news is none of those old guys are here either. So 28 new guys, fresh that we got from Cleveland and Seattle, amongst other right, places. We're, and in the middle of the season, we're, we're, we're going yeah. to basically create, create a line change in the middle of the season. Uh, and they made a lot of moves yeah. in the offseason too. They they had a big right. roster change, change over two different deals with Tampa Bay. You know, they you know, right. did they win the offseason? Well, hey, we'll see what actually happens in the regular season. So I think Tingler had the harder job, whereas David Ross is coming in. He already knew the players. Um, you know, veteran guys sure. that a lot of them <laughs> were yeah, they're all they're all approaching free agency, you know, so many of them. Baez, <laughs> Bryant, Rizzo, and Kyle Schwarber not to mention Theo Epstein, are all free agents after 2021. So, you know, we could have seen the last run of the Cubs. And they had their out. drama, too. They had their situation of the star player not being happy with the organization and calling them out and, and, and being vocal about it like the Rockies did. And it didn't end up torpedoing their season by, by any means. I think the thing about Tingler that, you know, for using our – and we discussed before, basically how we – evaluate managers is on a basis of post hoc ergo propter hoc, right? It, it's literally, it's a, it's a logical fallacy. We basically say, well, you know, you were there and then, and then they did more better good. And so you must be the reason they did 
more better good. And so like, but we obviously, we look at the Padres and we very clearly know that like the difference between the Padres now and then the last couple of years is well, now Tatis Jr. is ready to go. Cronenworth's ready to go. These guys, these guys who can play are all there now or the, 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 the talent they've brought into the organization. So for me, it's like their success is clearly much more defined by just the better players that they have now. I don't think the manager made much of an impact at all. But to the point we were saying earlier, you know, you also have to not mess that up, not get in the way of that chemistry, allow that chemistry to evolve and and and, and not torpedo you somehow that you've made all of these moves. And that can be very difficult for the manager. So, you know, I, I can't argue at all that Tingler got more out of his um, talent than was there. Um, I, I think it's just the talent started to show up. That's why they won more games. Uh, I, I think you could, though, probably pretty easily make an argument. That there's plenty other managers. Like, so, I don't know, maybe like a Tony LaRusa, who if you just plopped him into that same situation, maybe could have derailed the whole thing or at least delayed them another year before these guys really started pop or something like that. So in my mind, it's a, it's a tougher case because it's like, I don't think they were good because of their manager at all, but it could have been messed up by someone else. And you got to give him credit for that. Yeah. Yeah. He managed the team the best uh, out of anyone in the national league, in my opinion, because like you said, right, yeah. it, it could have gone horribly wrong. You could have, you could put you or I in, in, in charge of the Chicago Cubs and that locker room is going to look around and go, Hey guys, we did this once before, you know, we don't have many more opportunities left as a unit. So you know what, let's go out and do it. And they would have been fine. You could have had Anthony Rizzo as a player manager. We'll never see that again, but I could see Anthony Rizzo being one of those guys as a player manager. And you go, Hey, they were all right. You know, they, they were the, they were the sixth seed, you know, they, sure. they still made the postseason and in, in this wacky 2020, whereas the, the Padres, you go, Hey, um, Manny Machado, uh, player manager. Yeah, let me, well, I'm going to pick a couple of names out. Yeah, you know, Will Myers and, and Eric Hosmer got in a fist fight in the clubhouse. You go, I guess I could see those things like happening. Like that's going to go down. Tatis Jr. Machado, and they're not good friends. They're 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 fighting on the field. You know, for a ball that's in the hole. Like those things can could have potentially happened. So you need a guy who can manage that situation. And now you're right. Yeah, that that word means something totally different because a lot of guys aren't managing like by feel Kevin cash was not really able to manage by feel. He probably could have, probably could have, right. probably could have stuck his neck out there and managed by feel, but there was a game plan that not just he put together, but it was him, his coaches and the entire front office looking at the analytics and say, here's what we're going to do. And so it's balancing that and talking to a guy and taking him under your wing and put your arm around him and say, so here's the deal. Here's what's going on. You're still my guy, but he, late in the game, we are going to have to take you out. If a lefty comes in, we're going to need all 28 guys you know, to, to do this and get this done. And if we got another guy that we can rely on late in the game as a big bat, that makes our team better. So hang in there. I know you're frustrated. I know you want to be in there all nine innings, but you, you got you got to follow the course. You got to skip, you know, and, and like there's value in that. And we've, we've seen it go – Go sour in a lot of ways, but these oh, yeah. guys with Donnie Baseball, uh, David, the dancer Ross, and and Jace, who Tingler, all three of those guys did a great job. The who, the Tingle, no, mm, maybe not. Uh, 
All right. We talked about AL Cy Young uh, a little bit yesterday. We ran through, you know, some of the interesting elements of it, but didn't give actual predictions. Again, it's Ryu Maeda and Bieber. Uh, and I actually think before the, the postseason even began, we both predicted Shane Bieber. He, he's one of those ones where, yeah, I mean, actually, statistically, the case is about as slam dunk as you're going to get. Did he end up with the triple crown, like the pitching triple crown or whatever, the ERA? He did, strikeouts. yeah. Eight wins, 163 yeah. ERA, 122 yeah. Ks. Yeah. Shane Bieber is your AL Cy Young. NL Cy Young. Uh, is he unanimous? Little... Uh, yeah. He's got to be, right? So too. Yeah. I, I think mean, he'll be unanimous. <laughs> what, what, what metric are we using to suggest that you know it was like at some point you just look at everything he did his team got in the postseason yeah uh interesting debate potentially to be had between bauer darvish and Degrom in the national league uh, uh jacob Degrom very quickly becoming the mike trout of the pitching world where year after year his numbers say Cy young probably uh but he hasn't played a meaningful baseball game in years <laughs> so it's hard to tell you know how much it matters that jacob Degrom is just the most unhittable pitcher in baseball because he very that very rarely leads to any success for his team whatsoever um and so uh matter does it not i i submit probably still no and he would probably still get my vote but uh my heart wants to vote for trevor bauer on account of some men just like to watch the world burn. <laughs> uh, and I've always had a soft spot in my heart too for you Darvish. He's one of those players. And I, and you guys have seen me do this on the local level with John Gray, where like, I feel like his actual talent is like three or four points lower than his reputation or what people expected or, or whatever people want out of him. And so there's this like thing up here. He's supposed to be, then there's this thing he actually is. And because he's not this thing up here, Everybody thinks he's way down here. People think he's he's a bust or garbage. Or they think they they remember a couple of years ago when he just got shelled in the postseason. Like you, Darvish is just really good and really consistent and also really funny. And, and I actually like that he's one of the few. Yeah, him and Trevor Bauer, pitchers with a sense of humor. Um, so, uh, I, I don't think you can go wrong here, but I'd probably give my vote to Degrom on cold hard numbers. Yeah, I I. Th- you know, I think Bauer could be unanim- unanimous. Um, in but I, I think a player with the season that Trevor Bauer had from beginning to end could be unanimous. However, I don't think he I, will because yeah. he is Trevor Bauer. So there will be <laughs> someone in there in that group that gets in the way of him being unanimous. It could even cost him the Cy Young potentially. Now, I, I as far as I know, he does have you know, a, a relatively good relationship, you know, with, with the media, which I, I think he does. There could be some media that don't really care for the fact that he gets involved in social media and maybe takes away clicks from their website, things of that nature. Uh, we, we're, we're certainly, you know, all about him doing his thing with momentum. But I, I actually think it, it's going to come down to either, you know, Darvish or um, Bauer. Uh, Darvish was, again, I think you, it will you, too, yeah. as, as you said, um, you know, DeGrom out of the postseason again, you know, he can he's only do so much. pitched a meaningful baseball game in four years. I know. He can only do so much, whereas Darvish and Bauer, you know, lead 
those two rotations into the postseason. And and for a time, it was gearing up towards Darvish being the favorite. He was seven and zero with with a sub one ERA uh, through the first week of, of September there. So you know a little bit shaky after that, but overall he was close to hitting hundred strikeouts. Uh, ended up getting ninety three and twelve starts. And 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 Trevor Bauer was was fantastic. He only uh, he allowed one earned run or fewer in eight of his eleven starts. And he just yeah. he's got the swagger like uh, Connor McGregor. So I think it, I think it might be one of those two guys. And I think Degrom will kind of maybe. I, I think you'll see Degrom a close third because there'll be some people that do Bauer Degrom Darvish, uh, Darvish Degrom Bauer like really he's gonna really have, yeah. Because they, they only had 11, 12 starts each, so they didn't really have enough room to kind of separate themselves right. to say, hey, this guy was more consistent. This guy was phenomenal, but then he had some 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 valleys. And it's really hard to, to look at all those numbers and say one guy was way better than another. But I would put uh, – I would say Bauer, Darvish, DeGrom. And that, that could be really close as well. All right. Okay. Yeah. No, I like it. Um, and then I think now we we did discuss AL rookie of the year, right? But we didn't dis- or or no, I'm sorry, NL rookie of the year, but we didn't discuss. No, we did. We did we did both of them, but we didn't give picks. Okay, I'm just looking at the name. I, I had to bring up the names right here. Jake Cronin. Last ones all day on that. Uh, yeah, yeah. I think I think it's Cronenworth's to win there. Uh, between him, Alm, and Devin Williams. Um, and then in the AL, Christian Javier, who again has the relief pitcher problem that we talked about with Williams, or even in a short season, you know, it's like, hey, great job, way to go. But there's only so much that you can do to help your team. Uh, Kyle Lewis, we, we've both talked about throughout the, the season uh, a number of times, just enjoying the hell out of his game and and how the Seattle Mariners have this very, very interesting crop of young players. And, and he's set to be kind of the, one of the centerpieces of, of that group for a long time. But again, I think this one is kind of a runaway for our man, Lou Bob. Lou Bob. Yeah. I, I, I think it might be, I, I'm a big Kyle Lewis fan, but I think, you know, Luis Robert, just just did enough exciting. He was on the exciting White Sox club. So I think that's going to be a big boost. He might have, you know, quieted down the stretch just a little bit, but he led all rookies with 31 RBIs. So RBI, mm, I did it. I said RBIs, shame on me. But 31 RBI, 31 ribbies, that's where you put it. Yeah, I think Lou Bob. I think it's going to be Lou Bob's to take. Christian Javier easily will be third place. Um, but Kyle Lewis. Did a nice job. Yeah, it, it, it he so could great. be a big piece. He could be yeah. a big piece for Seattle going forward with him, Jared Kelnich, and and Julio Rodriguez. So uh, we'll see. We'll see what happens in the What's future. The other young player they had who had like a real like who didn't have a good year, but I think he's gonna. There's one other guy they have there. Anyway, doesn't matter. We don't have to Seattle. Name him. Yeah, uh, you might have just named him. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, like it's a fun team, man. It's it, it's yeah. fun. I I think there there's some people putting the the cart before the horse a little bit out there, being like they're the wave of the future. Like, see how it happens. Uh, but yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, all right. Well, 
there you have it. Those are our picks or and or predictions and or general discussions of all the awards out there. Again, uh, a little bit rough for the Colorado Rockies to be completely locked out of this conversation, but totally legitimate. There's nobody on the club that you could make the argument belonged in any of these conversations. Who, who is maybe the closest? Like, I guess Marquez in getting into the Cy Young conversation. That's but hard because that there's, only, there's only three, first, second, and third. So MVP. Right. Well, here's the question. Is it, and and this maybe is where we, we start our conversation uh, on Thursday because we'll bring in a, a nice DFA show live on Wednesday at 4.05, is who's higher in the MB, MVP voting? Is it Arenado or Story? Maybe it could be Blackman because we know sometimes, you know, BBWAA voters – go, oh, Charlie Blackman hitting 400. They don't go back in and check. They see, you know, he finished right. batting over 300, whatever, and they go, oh, I think Charlie Blackman was a thing. And let me throw him a 10th place vote, you know, so the Rockies have a little something to show for it. So right. I, I don't think I don't think Blackman will, will is really in that conversation. No. But it's Aaron out or story who who gets the nod there. We will we will definitely have to break that down. Yeah. Yeah. It's gonna be it's gonna be interesting. But uh, as Patrick said, we're going to have a really fun show for you tomorrow. Make sure you're subscribed to the YouTube channel. Got to be subscribed to that YouTube channel. Click the bell icon so you'll get a notification when we go live because it is going to be Wednesday, the DFA show, and we are going to be in the mood for doing a silly thing. So we are going to be talking about, you know, baseball has got its great share of silliness throughout the history, highlights of or, or lowlights, if you would prefer of all kinds of stuff that has happened uh, in recent history and, and throughout the ages that Patrick and I are just going to share some of our favorites with y'all. If you've got some of your favorites that that you know we may, may not think of, let us know. Show up. Hit us up. Our favorite silly moments in the history of Major League Baseball because we're all going to need to be giggling and having a little bit of silly fun, I think. so. Bloopers, blunders. Gaffs, boners, muffs, any of those wonderful words we use in baseball to right. describe errors. 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 Hit us up with your favorites. We're going to have a fun time. Thanks for joining us for this one. Make sure you're following us on social media at Drew Priestman, at Patrick D. Lyons, at DNVR underscore Rockies. You got to subscribe to the DNVR.com so you don't miss out on any of that written content. Plus, you get discounts on hats, shirts, masks. You get a bigger beer when you come down to the DNVR bar, which is seating at very low capacity and following all social distance guidelines. So make sure that you're taking care of each other out there. Hope everyone already voted. Remember to wear your mask, stay socially distanced, keep being absolutely awesome out there. We will keep being absolutely Patrick Lyons and Drew Creaseman in here. And until next time, we will see you at the ballpark.